Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Well, good morning and welcome to Press Church. My name is Sean Lee and I'm the lead pastor here. I'm so glad to be with you today. Welcome if you are new with us. It is great to have you here. For those of you who are watching us online, joining us online, we're so glad to have you online as well. Man, what a beautiful day today. I should say beautiful weekend. It's like, yes. I, uh, you got some, some stragglers coming in late. It's okay. You're welcome too. It's, it's all good. I, uh, I was telling our team before service, you know, the pastors, we, we prayed really hard before this weekend, and God just, you know, we're, we're very good Christian people, and so God just decided to, to give us good weather, right? Um, anyways, I'm glad we have such a beautiful day today for Food Truck Sunday. You guys ready for some food trucks after church? Yeah. So uh, last week we did something kind of fun. We had uh, everybody, well, we encouraged everybody to go on Facebook and check in. And for every check-in that we got, we got $5 that we were going to send to uh, the Dream Center in Delaware. The Delaware Dream Center, we, we work in conjunction with them uh, weekly. And we actually figured, we're like, you know what, this would be, a, we, we'd, it'd be great to continue this. Let's keep it going this week. So like I said, if you got Instagram, Facebook, whatever, every hashtag press church or hashtag, you can do Press Church, Food Truck Sunday, every hashtag, $5 to the, to the Delaware Dream Center this week. So make sure today, whether now, you can take a picture now, you can take a couple pictures, post it on social media, hashtag Press Church, hashtag Food Truck Sunday, every single one, $5 that we'll donate to the Delaware Dream Center. So make sure to do that. Do it. It'll be good. Are you taking a picture of me now? Do you want me to, do you want me to like pose or something? Is it, do you guys want I mean, you let me know. I'll do whatever. It's worth five bucks. You, you tell me what you want, right? I should, that's a, that's a, I should do that. Like, if, for $5, I will, I will pose however you... Wow. Speaking of mistaken, right? Mistakes. Anybody make mistakes in life, right? I, I, I don't know about you, and even now, I'm constantly having to, to confront uh, my own mistakes, my own shortcomings, my own issues, um, my propensity to sin, to be selfish, uh, I have an impressive, you know, ability to make mistakes. And I think we all feel that sometimes. We all feel like that. And, and we get really a recognition every day that we need Jesus in our life. Like, Jesus, yep, I need you. And so this series, Mistaken, this, this brand new series we're starting today, uh, it's about recognizing and embracing God's grace in our life as we are in process of becoming like him. If you, if you have put your faith in Jesus, we are, we are in this process of becoming like him, yet we still make mistakes. We still screw up. We still sin. We are in process. We haven't arrived, right? God's not done with you. He's not done with us, all right? Turn to your neighbor. Say, God's not done with you. God's not done with you. He's not done with me. He's not done with you. We are, we are always in process, um, and that's the, that's the beautiful thing about grace. The beautiful thing of grace is that no matter what, God is still there. He's working on us. He's there for us. Uh, so this week, uh, Pastor C, our pastor Jason and I, we hopped in the car. We do this pretty much every week. If you're new with us, we, we do a little uh, car video every week, and you see the, the pastors, all of us talking through uh, the subject for the day. So let's go ahead and watch this video. So uh, how about that Easter service? That was crazy. That was. That was like... <laughs> And now we have Food Truck Sunday. You guys ready for some food trucks? I'm excited about that. I'm excited about you guys being excited about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this is the beginning of a whole new series. 
I would say you're mistaken. <laughs> but truth is, it's never actually a new series. It's we, always the same. We talk thing. about the same thing all year long. Love God, love others. Yeah. <laughs> Find your identity in Christ. Find your identity in Christ. Uh, of course, I was good at this uh, this uh, story. And Jason, you're the big basketball guy. I think it was basketball. Maybe it was football. The, 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 the coach Wooden. the coach who would come in and yes. hold up the ball and John say Wooden, basketball. start with that yes. you know this is a basketball and then he would teach them how to put on their socks <laughs> and tie their shoes so they wouldn't get so blisters, they wouldn't get blisters. Yes. important stuff that's right this is Jesus <laughs> he loves you we're, we're continuing to learn God's love for us yeah, because it's the lie to think we ever reach some point of perfection in any of this, right? Like, where we ever get to the point where we're good enough yeah. or that we can know enough. Well, I think that's the biggest mistaken piece that we have is that, as I think in the church, we try so hard to earn that. We say we, we don't have to earn it. We say you can't earn God's love and his salvation and all these things and yet and then we tell you all the things you need to and be then doing. here's what you here's what <laughs> right. you could need yeah and so if you think those things earn your salvation you are mistaken. mistaken yeah and i'm sure there are people that are hearing us say this and they're going what what i don't understand what are you talking about i thought that there was these do good things that you do <laughs> when you're a christian you say <laughs> yep. this and then you do this, mm-hmm. and that's what gets you into heaven. And if you don't, you have to say you're sorry. Yeah. And then do it the make right, up for yeah, it. Yeah, do it the right Right. Way. Yes. And we're saying uh, you're mistaken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then there's going to be people who are like, okay, you guys are heretics, and I believe so, in this. Church. So you know how we talked about you know Jesus' death and resurrection last week? That's why. Uh, that's why. If you didn't get it last week, we're going to talk about it again. His death and resurrection meant something. Mm. We're going to talk about what that actually means. Okay. All right. So sit down. If you thought we're a bunch of heretics and you're ready to get up and leave, maybe you want to sit sit down and and, and check this out. We actually use the food trucks to block the entrances. So, really, when we're digging into that, though, we're, we're talking about God's grace, right? And we don't really understand grace. We can't really fully understand God's grace because it's so massive and beyond anything we could possibly deserve. Yeah. Uh, and this is where we buy into the lie of thinking we can do enough to deserve it, right? right? Right. That we can do the right things, that we can be right enough, and that's where the lie comes in. That's where right? we're mistaken, yeah. The hard part in all that is we we see God's grace most when we screw up. Mm. Right. Yeah, it's... Yeah. And, and so yeah. it's it's almost this wrestling of, gosh, I, I see it more the more I sin, mm-hmm. the more I mistake, right. make mistakes. But the more I make mistakes and experience the grace, the less I want to make the mistakes because I... Right. You know, it becomes a cycle, and yet... It is in the mistakes yeah. that we we are at least given the opportunity to experience grace. Mm. But I think a lot of us we refuse to accept the grace because we want to make up for it on our own. Right. Yeah. That's the that's the issue right yeah. there. 
And so, I mean, the question in all this is really, so when I get that temptation to make it up on my own or just say, no, I'm not going to be mistaken, I'm going to get it right, are we willing to step back, submit ourselves to God and say, God, I'm going to trust you and that your grace will meet me right here? What's that going to look like? Uh, so before the video, I mentioned that we are in process. Um, anybody heard the word sanctification before? It's a big word, sanctification. Uh, this is basically a big word that refers to us uh, becoming holy, us becoming like Christ. It's, it's a process. Uh, when you put your faith in Jesus, you begin this process, this process of becoming like him. And so with the help of the Holy Spirit, we begin working to become more uh, like, like Christ. Now, this sounds great, right? Oh, that's awesome. I'm a Christian. I'm becoming more like Christ. The Holy Spirit's in me. He's helping me do good things. Uh, but here, here's the rub. Is we, we're never fully arrived. We're never fully perfect. Never fully holy. You know, it's like, so in this life, in this life, uh, we will continue to struggle with this. Struggling to, to be like Jesus, to be like Christ, and yet still fighting this, this sinful nature in us. The other problem with this process, and I think we, we see this a lot in church, is that we like to make these large generalizations about how this sanctification process should look. We have our own journey that we're on, and there's certain things that we struggle with, and then there's certain things that, you know, maybe we just do better. And yet what we like to do is we like to look at other people and say, oh, they're doing it the wrong way. I'm doing it the right way. I'm sinning in a better way than them, right? And my process is better. So we make these large generalizations like, oh, this process should look like this. You've been a Christian for five years. You shouldn't be doing that anymore. You've been, say you're a Christian, why are you doing this? And we like to point out how their sanctification process should look. And so we become judges, right? We're really good at, at judging other people and judging what other people should be doing. Uh, and that's the, that's the work of the Holy Spirit, right? We talked about the Holy Spirit a couple weeks ago. Like, it's the Holy Spirit in us that is drawing us to be more like Christ. And yet we like to take that moral high ground and say, well, I'm, you, should, you should be like me, right? Our culture, you know, we like to do this. I came across a, a story of, of a lady named Crystal Jones. She was part of an organiza organization called Teach for America. And what they do is they assign teachers to, to schools, and usually underprivileged schools. And so she was a teacher um, in Georgia, and she was uh, assigned to an elementary school. And this specific elementary school uh, did not have a kindergarten. And do you know what grade she got assigned to? First grade. So she's like new to this school, these kids that are coming in, they've never been to kindergarten. And she, she goes on to say, she said she only had probably two or three students that could, rec that could recognize kindergarten sight words. So she's got these first grade students. She said there was kids that didn't know how to hold a pencil, didn't know how to hold a book, kids that just didn't know their alphabet yet. And so this is, I mean, talk about thrown into like the deep end, right? And so she's sitting here and she's thinking about like, how do I, how do I motivate these kids to learn? How do I take these kids and get them to where they're supposed to be, to, to being able to read and write and, and things that they should be doing in first grade? Uh, and she was thinking about, how do I motivate these kids? And so she begins to watch these kids, and she's, she, she kind of gets in the thoughts, okay, what, what is a first grader thinking? What does a first grader want to be? And she noticed when they are at recess what the first graders wanted to do. The first graders want to be like the third graders. They, 
they want to be older. They want to be, you know, they look up. You guys remember that? You remember how, like, when you're in first grade, the third graders seem like they were, like, way bigger, way cooler? You know, we look and they all, like, I don't even know what age. You're, like, every kid is, like, six to me, right? Like, um, but you think about those first graders, they look, they look up to that. And so what she does is she goes to the students. This is genius. She goes to the students. She, she says, my goal for you this year is to turn you into a third grader. It's my goal for you this year. We're going to turn you into a third grader. And then she goes on to say that everybody has to call themselves scholars. So you're not just like John. You're Scholar John. You're Scholar Sammy or whatever your name is. You know what I'm saying? Scholar Sarah and whatever. And it's interesting how that mentality started to permeate into these kids and before the school year was over, she had every single one of them reading at a first grade level. You see what she did? She, she, she went to their identity. She didn't treat them necessarily how they were. She started treating them for what they could be, for where they were going. And I think this is just a beautiful example of us as Christians, of followers of Jesus, and how we should view each other. Right? Who are we becoming in Christ? I, and I think the problem is we're like the kid that doesn't know our ABCs and we're looking at the kid who doesn't know how to hold the pencil and saying, you're not holding the pencil right. And he's like, yeah, well, you don't know your ABCs. But I mean, if we think about it, the depth of knowledge and the wealth of like perfection that is in Jesus and how far we are from that. We have a ways to go, right? We have, we have some room to grow. But what, what happens if we were to do that? If we were to start viewing each other and the people around us with where we could become, where we could go, what we, you know, in Christ, where we can develop into. And so my first point is this today, is that we must start with grace. We must start with grace. We, we, can, we can continue to live as if we have it all right, but think of the power. That, the story just stood out so much to me. Think of that power. We want to be something, right? We want, and and when, we're, when we're treated with respect and with dignity and given something, it's amazing how we rise to the occasion. And with this grace, starting with grace, we have to recognize both it for ourselves, <clears throat> excuse me, but also for others. God's grace isn't just for you. It's for other, other people. As I said, we've all made mistakes. We'll continue to make mistakes. We are in process. Next time someone calls you out, Sam, I'm in process, right? Now, this is an excuse. I don't say, well, I'm in process, so, you know, psh, do whatever I want. Back off. But we're in process. This process is about embracing a new life that God is calling us to while also fighting our old life that is characterized with selfishness and pride. The Apostle Paul references this tension in Romans chapter 7. He says, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things I want to do, I don't do. Anybody feel that? <laughs> how, how, you know, that's, it's very common. Common occurrence. Why, why, why did I do that? I don't want to do that. Yet the things we want to do, how, how long does it take us to actually get to the point where we're doing the things we want to do, Right? God, I want to do this for you. I want to act like this. I want to be like this. I want to love this way. I want to think of others. I want to give more. I want to be generous. I want to be hospitable. Yet, 
Those are the last things we're doing. We end up being judgmental and selfish and prideful. So scripture says we are new in Christ. You are a new creation. You put your faith in Jesus. You are a new creation. The old has gone. The new has come. So why is it still so hard to do the things that I want to do and not do the things I don't? If you have your Bibles with you and want to join us, uh, I'm going to be in Ephesians today. So you can turn to Ephesians. And the way that Ephesians is broken down, there's, what, six chapters, I think, in Ephesians? The first section of Ephesians is talking about God's story, what God has done for us, the beauty of what God has done in our lives, sending Jesus, death and resurrection, what that means for us. And then the second half of Ephesians is really talking about our story. So you got God's story, and then you got our story. And there's a, there's a switch. In chapter 4, there's a switch. It's like, therefore, you see this word, therefore. Because of all this stuff about God, therefore, this is what we should be doing. And in this, Paul is really talking about identity. He's talking about our source of identity. Where do we get our source of identity? And one of the main thoughts is that the way we behave flows out of the way that we view ourselves, out of who we think we are. So you could think of it like this. Our behaviors follow our sense of identity. Our behaviors follow our sense of identity. And so he's speaking to, he's speaking to, to a group of Christians. And it's basically, if who you are is changing, if this old self is going away, if this new self is the identity that you're living in, then what you, what you do is just going to naturally change. There is going to be a change that happens because of this new thing that is happening in you, because of this new truth that you are embracing in your life. So let's read in Ephesians chapter 2, starting in verse 1. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sin, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus, for it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is a gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. This is your new identity, right? This is who you are. This is who you are becoming. This is, you, this, is, this is your new identity. I love all the past tenses in the beginning of this. As for you were dead, you used to be, you used to, all this past, that is behind you now. You are alive in Christ. You are putting your faith in Jesus. You are new, a new creation. Yet, how often do we form our identity on the past? How often do, does the way that we think of ourselves, the identity we take on, 
how much is that formed out of who we used to be or things that have happened in the past? I know I need to think through this. How do I view myself? Is it in the screw-ups I've had before? Maybe it's in the successes. Maybe you used to be really successful in a, in a certain way that people would see, and now you're not so successful, and now you think, oh, I'm not worthy anymore. I'm not as good as I used to be. Or maybe you had a, a, a really hard past, and you pulled yourself out of that, and now the identity is very prideful. It's like, look what I did. I did this. That's my identity. And so this is the thing. We are not those things. We are made new in Christ because of what Jesus has done. Not based on our sins, not based on our screw-ups, or even our failures or good works. It's not about that. And so who are you? Who are you? You are God's handiwork. You are God's handiwork. Anybody think like they're God's handiwork? Does that feel a little weird? I'm God's handiwork. Good job, God. Do you have that kind of confidence? I don't. I usually think of the things I don't do well. I usually define myself by, I don't know, my screw-ups. But you're God's handiwork. Next time you introduce someone to yourself, say, hey, I'm so-and-so. I'm God's handiwork, created to do good works. They'd be like, wait, what? <laughs> think about that. Everybody, I, mean, I think I made a joke about that a couple weeks ago. Like, you ask your name, what do you do, right? And then you're, you're now, you know, your, your worth is based on your job where you work, how much money you make. It's just built into our society. As soon as you say hi to somebody, it's, hi, I'm Sean, I'm a pastor. Most people like look at me sideways and they're like, oh. And then they usually say an expletive and they're like, oh crap, I didn't mean to say that. And, uh, ah. and then they like get all worried. I'm like, jeez, oh, this is this again. It gets tiring, trust me. Um, I'm Sean, I'm God's handiwork. I was made to do good works through Christ in me. That is your new identity. That is who you are in Jesus. It's like the story I told. I'm Scholar Sean. I'm Masterpiece Sean. I'm, I'm God's handiwork Sean. Yeah, I feel like we almost need to tell ourselves that. <laughs> like, you are God's handiwork. What would change in our life if we viewed ourselves this way? Like, if you actually viewed yourself as, God hand, as God's handiwork, what would change in your life? How would you view yourself differently? Maybe more importantly, how would that change the way you viewed others? That person over there is God's handiwork. You're God's handiwork. That Christian brother that talked bad about you is God's handiwork. That sister in Christ who let you down is God's handiwork. Let's continue. Ephesians 4, verse 17 says this. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. Let me stop for just a second. Um, you should no longer live as the Gentiles do. Do you know who he's talking to in Ephesians? He's talking to Gentiles. I talked about him, you know, going after identity. He's talking to Gentiles saying, don't act as Gentiles. It's like, hey, 
Don't act as the Americans do. What's your nationality? Don't act as that does. You have a new identity. You are now not first uh, expressed as a Gentile. You are now first expressed as a child of God, as a new creation of God. So no longer live as that. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity, and they are full of greed. So again, he's challenging their identity, who they are, who they see themselves as. And we see this this phrase, they have lost sensitivity. And it, it speaks to a moral sensitivity here. They, they have lost this, like, moral sensitivity. They're, they're calloused. This hardened of heart, they are calloused. Anybody um, try to learn guitar? What's the first thing you got to do? Build up calluses. <laughs> it's painful, right? It's painful. Tune it. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll go with that. You got you to gotta build those, those calluses. And it's painful, it hurts. But then once you build those calluses, now you don't even think about it anymore. It's just there. And so what's happened, this, this, this image that's going on here is over and over they have put away, they have put away good. They have, they have thought of only selfish things and their own desires and their own uh, just fulfillment. And over time, they've hardened their heart. They've become callous. So they don't even... It doesn't even affect them anymore. It's changed their heart. So it starts in their thinking. It's in the mindset that, that this, is, this is fine. I mean, this is what I want. This is good for me, everything. And slowly over time, their heart has become hardened. And we see this, this, this futility. There's a futile in their thinking. I think, man... How, how much we've fallen into some of this. The things that, that maybe we used to not want to do are now things that, eh, whatever. It's fine. It's fine. And the problem with all of this is that it's basically, it's basically that we're becoming our own God. We are now the decider on good and evil, right and wrong. We are the authority. I am the authority on this. We don't have any of that going on in culture today, obviously. Um, nobody does that. We do it all the time. We have become our own sense of good and bad, and we only answer to ourselves. And we can read verses like this and say, man, Paul just cares about your actions. He just wants you to do good things. Just be more, just be a good moral person. And that's like not the point. The point isn't, hey, you just do all these good things. The point is the fact that you are living out of an, out of an identity that is not true to who you actually are. And because you're living out of that identity, you're doing things that is unloving to those around you. You're only thinking of yourself. And so, sure, go, go do all the good you want to do. It's futile. 
The point is living out of this new identity, and we're going to see this in follow-up. Ephesians 20, this is right after this section of verses we just covered. That, however, right, that life, those things, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You are taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. So because of what Jesus has done, something has changed. Because of what we celebrated last week, Easter, the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ, you are now being made new. And because of that, you should be living out of that identity. You should be living out of this truth that Jesus teaches us. He teaches us a new way of living. And we see it here in these verses. You were taught, what, what's the one thing? Put off your old self. So the first thing is to put off your old self. The way that it's written there is almost like taking off a jacket or a piece of clothing. Take off that piece of clothing, put it aside. Who wishes not sinning or being bad or selfish was as easy as taking off a jacket? Or just not putting it on in the morning, right? That would be great. That would be great to not just, hey, I don't even have to put it on, or I can just take it off. But it's that, you get that imagery with this. So one, put off the old self. And then the next verse in 23, it says, to be made new in the attitude of your mind. So put off the old self and be made new in the attitude of your minds. We talked about the renewal of your mind, this change of thinking, seeing yourself as Christ sees you looking at things the way that Christ looks at things. And then lastly, in verse 24, it says, put on the new self. Create to be like God in true righteousness. What is the new self? That you are a masterpiece. You are God's handiwork. You are created to do good. This is not about adhering to a moral code. This is about embracing your new identity, embracing who you are. And as we embrace who we are, then we can start seeing our actions and the thoughts that we have change to line up with that new identity. I talked about process. This is a process. You don't just change overnight. We have habits. We have things that we've been doing for years. Talk about callousness. There's been things that we've been doing in our lives, and we're calloused people. We have calluses. It's going to take time for that to wear off. It's going to take time for your mind to be changing. That's where we ask the Holy Spirit, God, you have to, you have to work in us. I need, I need your help because I, that's my go-to. My go-to is to be selfish. When my kids are whining and complaining and wanting me, my go-to is to raise my voice, to get upset. I want my own time. I don't want to deal with this. When my friend hurts me, when I, when I have somebody who I trusted do something to hurt me, what's my go-to? My go-to is either revenge or some passive-aggressive, like, uh, make them feel stupid. That's our, go- our go-tos are not, like, righteous, holy things. And so that is this process of, of seeing ourselves in this new light, is it's going to take time to get rid of these old habits. And, and here's the other thing. I think we do this so often. In the the judging side of things, we talk about judging people. I don't know your past. You don't know my past. For all you know, I could have used to been an addict. And the fact that I'm up here clean is amazing. 
you don't know. You don't know the struggles that I've had to overcome or the struggles that the person next to you has overcome. And so you're looking at them like, man, they're kind of they're grouchy sometimes. Do you know their past? Do you know what they've gone through? What they've, to, to even be here? Maybe you're sitting in this room and you, and, and you have social anxiety. The fact that you're even sitting in here is a, is a major win. We don't know. You don't know the things the person next to you has to deal with. And so if, if God has grace for us, how much more should we have grace for others? This process takes time. Getting rid of the old self, getting rid of anger, selfishness, pride, desires, putting on the new self, seeing myself as God's handiwork, seeing myself as righteous as God sees me as righteous, being led by the Spirit of God, being driven out of love for other people. And here's, here's the best part of all of it. God's grace is there for us in the process. That's good news. God's grace for us is there in the process. There's nothing you can do to earn it. There's nothing you can do. It's there. You can't love well enough. You can't donate to charity enough. You can't help the homeless enough. You can't do all these good things enough to earn God's salvation, God's grace, God's love. It's just there. It's there for you. In the same way, all the mistakes that you've made in the past and continue to make now can't keep you from God's promises. I came across a, an excellent quote this week by uh, Charles Spurgeon. It says this, you cannot sin as much as God can forgive. If it comes to a battle between sin and grace, you shall not be as bad as God shall be good. Hmm. Now, as Paul says, now should we sin so that grace abounds? By no means, not at all. That's not the point. The point is to know that in this process of us becoming more like Christ, there's grace for you. There's grace for your process. There's grace for your timeline. And I pray that we can begin to see others in that same light. I'll go back to the verse in the first passage we went through today. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. It's not from yourself. It's the gift of God. Not by works so that no one can boast. Let us not boast in our good deeds or the things that we think our good deeds. Let us begin to see ourselves in this new identity, this new light. We are new creatures in Christ because of his death and resurrection for us. That's good news. That's what the gospel is. Gospel means good news. That is the good news. I need that today. I need God's grace. And there's people that are in your life that are around you that need God's grace too. So what would it look like if we as a body of believers begin to live out this new sense of grace? That even when we're mistaken, even when we're screwing up and the people around us are screwing up, yeah, it hurts. And some of us have been hurt really badly. And I'm not saying that we have to be like all lovey-dovey with everybody, like, oh, God's great. Like, 
there's some people that you probably should have distance from. That's fine. But that's a matter of listening to the Holy Spirit, letting the Holy Spirit lead you and guide you in your life. How do we live that way as a community? There's people you know in this community that, that they, don't, they don't have relationships like that. They don't have relations with people that love them no matter what. What if we start loving people that way? Seeing them as that teacher saw. You're not a first grader who can't read. You're a scholar who's going to be going somewhere. You're God's handiwork who's in process. And, and for me, that makes me want even more to say, you know what, God, because of your goodness, what, I, I want to serve you. I want to be obedient. I want to do what's good. And because of that, I want to love other people better. I want my actions to love well. Dylan, you can start coming up. We talk about wanting to make a difference in this community. We've got it on our wall. We talk about embracing our identity in Christ a lot here at Press Church. Your identity is that you're loved by God. You're loved by God. He died and rose again for you because he loves you. How do we take that to the people in our community? How do we take that to the, to the widow that lives in our neighborhood, to the, to the, the young couple who just had a kid and doesn't know how to parent or what to do, to the, to the family you know is having marriage problems and they're on the verge of divorce? Like, how, how do we do that? It's, it's great us coming here and, and hearing these things, but how, how are we going out and being, being like Christ to the people in our communities? Who needs to be here on a Sunday morning to hear that they're loved and they have God's grace? Who do you know that needs to be here today that isn't hearing this? Invite somebody. Say, hey, I'll sit with you. You need to hear this. You're not defined by the mistakes that you made. You're not defined by your past, good or bad. Christ says you are a new creation, God's handiwork, made to do good works. That's in you. That's in each of you. Can you embrace that? Can you accept that? Can you acknowledge that in your life today? That is our challenge. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this, for this day, this time together. I thank you for your word. I thank you for the ways that you are continually challenging us, God. And I thank you so much for your grace in our lives. It's uncomfortable when we see it for other people and it's enjoyable when we get it for ourselves, God. But I pray that we would, we would embrace it both for ourselves and for others, God. That we would begin seeing people in their new identity. That because of our faith in you, we are a new creation. We are, we are new, made new. And even though we have this old self that's constantly trying to get us to be selfish and have these selfish desires, God, that, that we can lean on you and trust you. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would lead and guide us and help us through that. Not to uphold some moral code, God, but to express our love for you and our obedience to you out of a thankfulness and a gratitude of what you have done for us, God. I thank you so much for who you are 
I thank you for the process that we're in, and I pray that you continue to give us strength and wisdom and guidance as we are on this journey to become more like you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand and join us as we continue in, in worship. I search the world and I search the world, but it couldn't fill me. Man's empty place and treasures the faith I never enough. That you came along. 